Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. And welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt. I'm joined, as always, by Steve Anglesey. Hello, everyone. Isn't the weather lovely? It's beautiful. Huh? I hope it's beautiful where you are, Well, New European Podcast listener. I did promise last week to wear just an apron in honour of the wonderful artistic French you, film Betty Blue. You are, and you, now you're wearing it. Reminding me of Georgina Hale in McVicar. And here I am in just an apron. Yeah, and it's one like um, Richard O'Sullivan used to wear in, in Man About the House as well. It's got the, the little boobs on and the French knickers. It's really good. Did you think I was naked when you came in? Very much so, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, must have been a shock for you. It was horrific. But if I spill anything... Yeah. I'm covered. covered. Absolutely. So, we will get to the news first. We will... Um, so, we will get to the news first. And then, there's no Jerry Scott. She's, she's away. She's away. She's Jerry, away in Europe. Jerry Scott is away. Yes. Um, so we will do the news and then we will get to Brexiteer as always. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start on Syria. So we woke up to news on Saturday morning that the UK had been part of a joint attack on uh, several chemical weapons plants. Um, the controversy, of course, as the, as the week continued, was that there had been no attempt to recall Parliament, there had been no vote to okay this. No, that's uh, right. Uh, Labour really went for the government on this, and there is some sympathy to their view from the Tories, mm. um, or certain certain members of the Conservative Party anyway. Kenneth Clark, Yeah. Doing well again. So what, what do you think, Steve? I mean, should actions of this sort have to have a, a parliamentary vote, do you think? Well, I think the... In the sort of King Midas in reverse uh, thing that is aff- is afflicting Theresa May and everything everything she does is a <laughs> is a complete mess, isn't it? This was this was one case where you could have recalled Parliament, couldn't you? Um, look, look. I think I think you know if we're if we are attacked or something like that, or there's something major, then clearly you know the. the, the there's a case to say that the prime minister, you know, should should be able to yeah. order military action. If we're suddenly under attack and it's Christmas Day. Absolutely. In a case like this, where clearly you, because of public scepticism over military action, because these were only ever going to, it seems to me to be, you know, 
fairly low-level strikes, aren't they? Yeah, designed, yeah. They're designed to have some impact, but not provoke a massive reaction yeah. uh, from either, you know, Assad's remaining forces or from uh, or from Russia. It, it, it seems to me that this was a perfect case where you could have recalled Parliament, so, and, and maybe the only thing that that stopped that was was, you know, PR for Theresa May in. You know, face it, possibly facing a defeat to Jeremy Corbyn at the start of the local elections. Cycle. Well, I, I think, I mean, my, my personal view on, I, I am, I, I agree, I am a bit confused as to why she didn't recall Parliament and put it to vote because I think she would have won that vote. Yeah, there'd be enough Labour rebel, Labour rebels, um, Labour rebels. <laughs> yeah, that would be great if they had their own suites. That'd be good, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, but would you mix them up, call them political rebels, and one, one time you'd get a centre, one time you'd get a Tory, <laughs> oh, yeah, and one yeah, time yeah. you'd get Labour, one time you get a Lib Dem. You That'd probably be... wouldn't notice the Lib Dem, no, would you? No, oh, I'm so mean on the Lib Dem. You are oh, very um, mean. She, Farage, she, she could oh, just oh, sort of God. tasting like rotten oh. fags and bad breath and yeah. middle oh. bottoms, stale bitter. Um, she could have recalled Parliament, and she, I think, she would have won the vote. Uh, yeah. And she could have done that last last week. You know, they were in recess, of course, but they, we recall Parliament during recess in recent times, so it's perfectly feasible to do it. We the attack uh, on Duma was on Saturday. Parliament could have been recalled Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and still got time for for a meaningful vote well, they could have before the strikes. Yeah, I mean, they could they could easily have, have, have done this. So my thought is not so much that she thought she might lose it. I don't think that that would have happened. I think the government were fairly clear that they would have had the backing of the, the whole of the, the, the government benches, obviously, but also enough Labour rebels to see them um, yep. over, over, the, over the line. But I think it was more to do with her wanting to look like she was prime ministerial and yes. making decisions and making tough decisions. And t- to be fair to her, and I often say this, to be fair to Theresa May, that is a tough decision, and I'm sure it wasn't taken lightly to send no, troops into, uh, you know, to, to do that sort of stuff. So um, that was a tough decision, and it is the sort of decisions that we have prime ministers for. Personally, I think that the convention that is there to go to parliament before military action is a good one, but in this particular case, I can see why she didn't. Um, and I don't think that if we, like you say, it'd be a nonsense to have to go to parliament for every bit of military action, that would be yeah. a ludicrous thing to have to do. And there's lots of details. I mean, in the House when this was debated, I can't remember who it was now, but he said, you know, if this had come to the House, we would have asked quite rightly, because that is the job of, you know, to to to, add, to offer scrutiny. Where are we targeting? What are we using? Are we sending troops in? On, you yeah, know, are they exactly. going in on the ground? All these things, of course, would have somewhat given away <laughs> well, uh, and, and wouldn't have been answered. So you wonder what, how meaningful it would have been, really. But, as you know, as a nod to the concept, but then, you know, as we'll, as we'll talk about, um, as we'll talk about, the, you know, old traditional concepts like consulting Parliament, individual responsibility well, we, for stuff for stuff that goes wrong that those are these are all outmoded concepts that's aren't it, they? in the age of politics on twitter apparently um, or just politics theresa may's kind of politics i'll tell you what would be a, a tough decision that theresa may should make um about syria is is that she should say that we're going to let in lots of syrian orphan refugees yeah and then tell everybody who disagrees with her, nigel farage and his mates to f- off that would be a really 
strong decision. Like, well, I mean, Merkel did similar, didn't she? Um, well, it didn't play very well for her, but it, it was. But it was a. Bit, I it think was the right thing to do. Absolutely on the right side of history. Yeah, I believe we're on the right side of history with regards to Syria and Russia. But yes, come yeah. to Britain. But it's a, you know, it is. I mean, look, the, 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 these attacks are, are terrible, and you know, they, they require some response. But there's an ongoing humanitarian crisis there that we can help deal with, and any amount of posturing is not going to, not going to do that. It's to be, I think, you know, I mean, she does look prime ministerial, but I've got to say, it's, it's, this is a, a really crucial few days for Theresa May, and, and to my mind, it's not going very well at all. No. Um, I, I think. I mean, the next topic, of course, um, has somewhat overtaken Syria. Bizarrely, I thought we were definitely going to be talking Syria yeah. all week, but it seems that um, that, as you say, limited response um, has seemed to have drawn a line under it until the next time that maniac Assad tries to, or indeed does, yeah. gas some innocent yeah, children. Yeah. Um, we will see what happens next. But the Windrush. Yeah, well, this is a complete disaster and a disgrace and a farce, isn't it? It's I mean, one of those things that makes you ashamed to be British. Exactly what it is. I wrote, um, I wrote yesterday, you know, that this should shame us all. It's a, 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 let's t- let's break it down a little bit. So, the fact that it happened and that people were being refused NHS care without being able to prove yep. their right to abide, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and uh, potentially being investigated on whether we were going to sling them out. I mean, that's shameful. But on its own, looks like an almighty error by the UK Border Agency or by the Home Office or, you know. So to pin it on any one particular government or regime, you know, mm, not sure. But then when you move forward mm. and think about this this atmosphere of aggression towards immigrants, which certainly was brought about under Theresa May's yes. leadership at, uh, when she was at the Home Office... Then the argument starts to feel like, well, is that the reason that Home Office officials are going after these people? Because they've been told from on high that we've got to get immigration yeah. figures down to under 100,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without any real proper strategy for doing exactly. so, apart from to so, you know, some vans with go home written on Well, them. utterly disgraceful, of course. At the time, massively, uh, there was a massive outcry. And again, you know, how that ever happened, I have no idea. But that atmosphere of that that really fed into the Brexit vote and into the referendum has sort of reared its head again this week, hasn't it? Do you think that there's been and the public are outraged about the about the Windrush generation? Yes. You know, there is very much yes, a lot of support. They are. It's there. good to see. It is good to see. So are there changing opinions then, do you think? Do you think the public thinking, Oh, wait a minute? Maybe maybe there is a change of maybe uh, the, maybe maybe it will be the start of a change of yeah well it would be that would be a a, a positive outcome of this uh, of this whole mess wouldn't it um, because for so many years um, immigration has been a big a big well, issue yeah. on doorsteps yeah, yeah, or yeah. you know every, I bet every I bet ninety percent of question times in the last fifteen years have included some question about immigration and fears about immigration much of it of course. Um, I used to live um, very much out in the sticks in the countryside, and people would yes. would talk to me about the fear of immigration, and I'd say, "Well, what, do, have you? Where yeah, are yeah, the? Yeah. Where are these hordes of immigrants? Yeah, they just simply didn't exist. So it was more of a fear thing. But then a lot of that fear was peddled by some elements of the right wing press. Yeah, and who's you know the, the and some right wing parties and, and Theresa May as a particularly poor Home Secretary pandered to you know. 
she attempted to cut off UKIP, didn't she, by yeah. taking on UKIP's clothes. She attempted to keep Paul Dacre happy, uh, and the, the uh, whoever was the editor of the Daily Express uh, at that time happy by uh, by sort of nodding along with their mouth-foaming nonsense about migrants. At no point did Theresa May point out what she knew, which was that migrants put in more to this country than they take out. At no yeah, point yeah. did she reverse the decision, the, the George Osborne decision, wasn't it, to cut off Labour's plans to increase funding uh, to help the infrastructure in, in places... Um, with the largest that's seen the largest net migration, yeah. So the so the the, the, the sort of places where you know the, the, clearly in in some areas of the country, there's some areas of, of Norfolk even yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. we are that have seen a, an influx of, of, of EU migration and non EU migration. At no point did Theresa May. I mean, this this, this I, I just keep coming back to this thing when we talk about migration and immigration that there is an EU directive it's I actually printed this off it's the European Parliament and Council directive 2004 38 EC and that allows people in member states to repatriate EU nationals if after three months Mm. of coming to country they don't have a job or a visible means of supporting themselves and this happens all the time in other countries belgium used this all the time we never used it once theresa may was in the home office but we did hire some vans to go around scaring people and we did set this thing in motion it's absolutely pathetic by the way for her and amber rudd to try and blame civil servants in the home office for you know for carrying out um for trying to get to this target that, yeah, that you yeah, talk about. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's also pathetic that, look, Amber, it's not been great, has it, for, for Amber Rudd. It's been a poor fortnight for Amber it Rudd. Has, yeah. It started, coincidentally, it, it, all of this started, didn't it, suspiciously, when she started going round meeting, uh, taking people out for dinner, Tory donors and, and, uh, and all of that, and there was talk about a leadership campaign. Then we had this, we had this, uh, this anti-street crime launch, which backfired miserably, and Amber Rudd was wrong and stupid to pretend that that there is no link between 20,000 police cuts and a huge rise in street crime. It's nonsense. I don't know why she she said that. I see, I don't link my beer consumption with the headache I have the morning after. No, they're completely... It's it's just nonsense. That's right, yeah. It's just nonsense. Yeah, yeah. so I don't know why she said that, but the idea that Amber Rudd is somehow responsible for um, for stuff that was, you know, the, 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 she's not responsible for the police cuts, she's not responsible for the hostile environment thing, and she's not responsible for the knock-on effect that the, 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 that had on the Windrush migrants. And yeah. the person who is responsible is the person who was the in charge of the Home Office at the time. Yeah. And that was Theresa May. Yeah. And Theresa May, you know... Look, Theresa May is not going to resign, and when she comes to write her memoirs, uh, which I hope is in about a year, but I suspect will be in about five more years, yeah. um, she will say, I, I'm, I thought about resigning over this because some of it was my fault, but I decided to stay on because I'm the strong leader who can unite the party and the country through a difficult time in Brexit. But really, she should resign about over this. It's all her fault. It is. I, I, I completely agree. I think... Um... I wonder what she'll call her memoirs. Mayhem. Mayhem. That would be good, wouldn't it? Because um, that would bring in... She's a fan of fashion as well. And yeah, skirts yeah, yeah. have hems, don't they? Oh, the mayhem. 
So it could have that's a like legs of, it, isn't it? Picture of her hem. Uh, I'm, not, hem. I'm I being sexist, so I need to cut this out. The darling buds of May. No, uh, not really. Uh, uh, what else could she call it? I should call my friend Kevin Price, who works on the the Daily Mirror, who could who who one of his great talents, one of his many talents, Kevin Price is uh, uh, well, he, his greatest talent in my view is he could do a very good impression of Terry Scott when he used to do the schoolboy. Um, <laughs> But his second greatest <laughs> talent is that he, he can come up... To, he, he asks people at parties what their name is and he comes up with the title of their autobiography. Oh, that Mine is was No Man is an Island, which is a, quite a good title, you know, if, if you're called Anglesey. Um, <laughs> you know, but he, he's, he's, he's very, very good. Uh, Dean Moore, we worked with... His, our, our mutual boss was Dean Morse, obviously, the Morse Code. He would come up with these... Uh, it, it's fantastic to see sitting around. Well, the table. let's ask him, and we'll get back to you for Theresa May then. And if you've got any ideas, the new European podcast listener about what Theresa May's um, autobiography should be called, we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about it next week. Um, um, but yeah, so it's her fault. Bad, bad. She's gonna. She should resign, but she won't resign. No, no one ever resigns anymore. Was Lord Carrington the last person to resign? <sighs> yes, I think. And just he... say it was my fault. Yeah. Surely there must be junior ministers who said. Actually, this was my fault, and I'm going to resign. No, it happened on my watch, therefore it wasn't really my fault. But Amber Rudd is uh, the Daily Mail seems to have it in for Amber Rudd. Yes, is so, it? I is mean, it because of? <clears throat> do you imagine that it's because of, you know, the bad couple of weeks that she's had, or do you imagine it's that she's a reasonably powerful uh, voice for Remain in the cabinet? I think we both know the answer to that. We do, uh, but yeah, she. I mean, it hasn't been it hasn't been a great uh, few weeks for Amber, and uh, I think as Remainers, we would hope that she ups her game a bit, um, yes. and, and carries on being the voice of sensible. She has at least appeared in Amber Rudd has has um, at least appeared in that great meme that you might have seen um, on Facebook and, and Twitter over the the last few days. If you've not seen it. Uh, and you don't use those social media things. There are the pictures. Are, there's a picture of Theresa May, and she says one of my constituents has recently left England and gone back to the West Indies. And Amber Rudd says, "Oh, Jamaica," and Theresa May says, "Yes," which <laughs> which is a very good joke. Congratulations <laughs> to whoever That's memed good. that meme. I don't know where memes even come from. How memes. Did, how did I think they come from, from. I don't know. Spain. The interweb. They just come from the inter. Funny people. The internet you, is full of great and funny people, I as know. well as you know, and, and also being a nest of vipers. That's true. I know an increasing amount. An increasing number of young people. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> an increasing. What an odd statement. That is a very odd statement. And they use things like memes and. And acronyms, I have no idea what they mean. Memes, yeah. Me, me. I know what me. I know. I've read Dawkins, so I understand what a meme is. Yeah. But, but they use acronyms in old um, SMS. Oh, messaging. the text speak that the kids yeah. do nowadays. Yeah, I have no idea. Are I don't the, know whether I'm. I don't know whether I'm going for a drink or going oldest, to some dungeon. Are you something? the oldest thirty-eight-year-old in existence? Just about. Are you yeah, Jacob yeah. Rees-Mogg? Yeah, I am. I and am. I claim my five I pounds. Am, and I'm not thirty-eight either. Politicians use hyperbole. Like, when you lay down with a dog, you're likely to get fleas. It's usually, you usually go, well, that's a bit corny, isn't it? When David Lammy said that about this 
horrible atmosphere of fear, the hostile environment that Theresa May created. Yeah. He was absolutely right. Yeah, he was. And that was a good performance by Lamy. He was it? superb, yeah. yeah and he spoke really. from the he spoke from the heart. Yeah, it was it was excellent. I didn't very much enjoy John Burko telling Chucker Amuna to shut up though. I thought that was a bit He does often cross the line, doesn't he, Mr. Burko? But yeah. he's uh, yeah, thought, don't make don't make any speeches. Just ask questions. Mm. Thought, do you not think that anyway? Anyway, anyway, anyway. Let's get on to the Lords. Uh, I'm a big fan of of the upper house getting its chance to scrutinise legislation. Yeah, and it's done that just that. It was doing. It, it was a lull moment, wasn't it? As as you, <laughs> I have no idea what that means. means. I don't know. Well, what does lull mean? I because it, I need to figure out what this text message means. Well, didn't David Cameron thought it meant lots of love? Didn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he he sent a message to, to Rebecca, Rebecca, to Rebecca <laughs> saying, "I'm sorry about. I'm sorry that you've had to be suspended from the Murdoch Empire." That's right. <laughs> well, there is there is actually a um, a Twitter account, and I can't. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but it does. It collects these great text messages from old people, um, uh, who or people like yourself who yeah. don't know what these acronyms yeah, stand yeah. for, and yeah. use them inappropriately. And they tend to be things like "I'm sorry to tell you that your nana has died." <laughs> Lol, love, and then it says "mum" at the end. You know. <laughs> and it, I do know what it is. A, it is a fine one. We're yeah. lolling now. We're lolling. Well, at I was lo- of LOL. I was lolling at the thought of Paul Dacre in his little office with his head going, his little pan lid he flapping did. like at the start of <laughs> Betty Blue. Yeah, all this. Yes. He's got the. <laughs> He's got the his his brain is like a boiling pan of water, and his little pan lid is flapping as he sees the results from the Lord's coming. He's traitors and saboteurs. Mister Dicker definitely wouldn't know about about SMS acronyms. A year ago this week, by the way, crushed the saboteurs front page. Yes, it was a year ago. It was a year ago this week. You're it was right. a year ago this week. Yeah, because yeah, the the election was called. Ah, crushed the saboteurs. Yeah, of course, it was. It was. The, the election. I remember it very well. It's, what a great front page. And great to sing to the tune of um, Knees Up Mother Brown. Crush the saboteurs, crush the saboteurs. And that's what they that's sang. That's what they were all doing in conference he, in the mail. When he shuffles out of his uh, palatial office <laughs> towards the back bench that evening, that's what they were all singing. Crush the saboteurs. Well, anyway, the House of Lords. singing that again this week because the, Lord, the Lords... I mean, this is only the first... I mean, there was two defeats, actually, but the big one was on the Customs Union. The Lords voted 348 to 225 in favour of a of a plan which would require ministers uh, to um, to report on what steps they were taking to negotiate a continuation of us staying in the customs union, <laughs> which is the exact opposite of what the government want to do, which is yep. leave the customs union. Yep. Um, so how this works is there will be lots more defeats because the Lords is packed full yes. of remainers. Yes. And in normal circumstances, there would be some ping-ponging, ping-ponging between yes. the chambers, whereby the Lords would say, nope, that needs to be amended, fling it back to the Commons, it would be debated, it would be changed or amended, and there would be some kind of consensus at the end. Yes. But since the Parliament Act of 1911, mm. when, let me get my history right, when, who was the Chancellor? I've got no idea. You're on your own with this kind of stuff. David Lloyd George, okay, Liberal Chancellor, yes, tried to legislate for the people's budget, which would, which meant that they would, uh, there was a lot of, they were going to heavily tax wealthy landowners, basically. Yes. Public loved it, yes. 
put it before the Commons. Liberals had a majority. Went to the Lords. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. The Lords went, oh, no, I don't think so. We'll pay plenty enough tax already. So, Parliament asserted, the Commons asserted itself then, didn't it? Well, the the Commons then had to flood the upper house with Liberals to get through another bit of legislation, which basically meant that the Lords could no longer kill legislation dead. And and the ping-ponging would last, but they could delay it, and it would generally last for two or three sessions, no longer than two years, certainly. And we haven't got that long now, because Brexit will be done by then. Yes. So the government are just going to ignore this. Is that their strategy? Yeah. I mean, I'll read you what... uh, Business as usual, they said, didn't they? Nothing has changed. Lord Callanan, Brexit Minister, said uh, the government... um, He, by the way, is awful. Yeah. Miles out of his depth. He is just pathetic. Go on. He said the government had no intention to reflect further on the matter. Um, and that the government had already clearly ruled out uh, staying in the customs union. So that's the end of that. So he does beg the question, I'm a fan of the Lords, but he does yeah. beg the question, what's the point of them? A hundred and odd years ago, it was right that um, that uh, Asquith, yes. who was the Prime Minister, whoa, look at this, Britain's Ooh, working this, today, that Asquith managed to get the, those Lords reforms through because that was a good piece of legislation that was being blocked for self-interest. Yes. But now do they need more power or, or does this just make them an irrelevance? If if this sets a precedent of we're just going to ignore you, we're not even going to give you the chance to delay because we can't, what about the next time something controversial comes through? They don't like what the Lords said. Well, we did it for Brexit. We did it for the EU open brackets, withdrawal, close brackets bill. Well, it's really fascinating, isn't it? I mean, is that well? First of all, is there any kind of Brexit vote that you think Theresa May could lose in the Commons on any of uh, these sort well, of amendments? <clears throat> hopeful Remainers. Um, well, I'm a hopeful Remainer. Go on, give me some hope. Well, hopeful Remainers on social media. I had to get someone else to do print them yeah, out yeah, for yeah. me. Obviously, one of your children. Yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> one of the young people. Can you that print I... out Twitter? The whole of Twitter. For me, starting when starting at the beginning, <laughs> right at the beginning of Twitter. Oh, well, I tell you what, I've got. Some, I have actually printed the tweets <laughs> out. <laughs> I have printed out Twitter. This is brilliant. So Anna Subri, the Lords have put their country first, and rebel Conservative peers, of which there were twenty-four, yeah. have been particularly brave. I know my Conservative MPs privately share their support for a customs union arrangement. I hope they will. They will not vote to remove this wholly sensible and responsible amendment. Chucker said, the House of Lords have given... because it should be has given, Chucker, not have given. Ooh, because they are a collective unit, That's not it. a That's collective it for individuals. I'll, Chucker, I'll, I'll, I'll get someone to text you yeah. some grammar tips. <laughs> um, the House of Lords have given the Commons a great opportunity to have a proper and full debate on the impact of leading the customs union and put a break on Theresa May's plans for a hard and destructive... It ends there. Oh, no. The hashtag, I think that is Brexit. So, I mean, that's true. Yeah. I think I think the most we can hope for, really, from this is that there are some wavering Tories who are maybe a bit empowered by it. Yes. And that it does get we do get the chance to have a full debate about it in the Commons. Although I guess that that would have happened anyway. So I wonder. I wonder if in years to come, all this is going to be is Lords going. I told you so. And you didn't listen. Well, yeah. I mean, I personally, I think that we are that may 
the, the person so personally I think that um May's weakening position on this and and things like this make it more likely that we will end up with something like the Norway option and some kind of access to mm. you know being a sort of ancillary member of the um of the, uh, the the single market. And that is not going to go down well with the hard Brexiteers. Though. And for that, you will have to accept some kind of freedom of movement. But presumably then they will, you know, look, if they're really worried about that, then I'll, I will return to European Parliament and Council Directive 2004-38-EC, <laughs> which allows EU member states to repatriate EU nationals after three months if they don't find a job. Or well, they can't support themselves. Um, the, the fudge beyond fudge, you know, is the problem. That sounds good to me. Revels yeah. followed by fudge beyond fudge. Oh, Labour revels. Yeah. Fudge. Brexit fudge. fudge. Brexit fudge. Oh, we've got a market we've that. We've got a Brexit sweet shop, yeah. We, we've got, we've got a Brexit European shop. Brexit, we have. New European Brexit fudge. Delicious. Come to me, the money man. I'm the brains here. I'm the ideas man. This is great. Oh, I love it. I'm loving it. Look, look at what I'm wearing. Yeah. I'll, twi- I'll turn apron. around. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Brexit apron. The Brexit apron. Betty Blue style Brexit, Brexit apron. apron. I'm too as, Brexy for this apron. As modelled by, by New European Podcast's very own Richard Porritt. Beautiful. Um, so, yes. Um, so, I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, the, in, involvement in some kind of customs union would obviously solve all of these nagging problems yeah. wouldn't it of Theresa May it'd solve the it wouldn't solve her biggest problem which is the fact being that, Theresa May <laughs> which is the fact that uh, if suddenly she said um, yeah alright let's be in a customs union yes I mean there would be a leadership challenge there and would o- be yeah. and also I mean the other thing is if so this will now go back to the Commons if they if there's a vote and they lose that vote yes then what the heck happens then? Well, they, then they. Will, will, I mean, the whole thing will grind to a halt. Yeah, but we'll still be plummeting towards. Well, we will, but then presumably, oh, then the Tory party would split, and we would. There'd be a leadership. Ladies challenge. and gentlemen, I give you the SDP. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> what a thing! Cats and dogs living together. <laughs> Ebony and ivory. It'd be amazing. Okay. Um, so, but but some kind of. You know, any sort of fudge of a customs union takes Ireland off the table, doesn't it? It yeah. solves all of that. Yeah. It solves all of your lovely old fruit pickers in Norfolk and yeah. Cornwall and all these places yeah. who were worried about the um, who were worried about the not having any EU migrants yeah. to, to and f- fruit rotted in the fields. It solves all of that. Yeah. It solves all of the customs. Delay issue. Yeah, Jerry's probably queuing up at customs as we speak on her right. return from Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and half of the people in half of the people in the Vote Leave campaign said, "Well, look at the brain of Brexit." Daniel Hannan, who said, "No, absolutely nobody is talking about leaving the customs union." Boris Johnson said, "We yes. have access to the customs union." Michael Gove said, "We'd have access to the customs union." Where is it? No one knows what the. They're doing. No, they don't. And clearly from the podcast recording, neither do we. No. So let's leave it there and do Brexiteer of the Week. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 
4388840 and quoting podcast one, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back, Steve. It's time for Brexiteer of the Week, and it's a sad, it's a sad one for me. But we'll get to that. It is sad, but we'll get to that in a in a, a little while. Let's start with um, let's start with Andy Wigmore, shall Wiggy? we? Wiggy, Wiggy, the bad boy of Brexit, the or bad one boy of Brexit, one of the, the bad top boys. diplomat. Yeah, yes. Uh, Andy Wigmore, for those of you who don't know, is Aaron Banks's sort of floppy-haired yeah. side man, isn't and he? And Olympia. He's the sort of the. Rodney Trotter, isn't he, to Aaron Banks's Dell boy? He is. He's um, what is he? He's that little caterpillar thing to Aaron Banks's Baron Greenback. Yeah, what was that caterpillar? What thing? was that? It, it's like a fluffy caterpillar, wasn't it? Anyway, and it, did it just sort of go? <laughs> <laughs> and then he was Stiletto, see Baroni. Yes, um, but he's not good enough for, no. to be Stiletto. That's no, more Farage, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, Andy Wigmore. Uh, did an interview with a, uh, a woman called Dr. Emma Bryant, uh, who uh, was um, studying, uh, is, is doing a study, a university study about Trump's campaign. So and she's writing a book, I think. She's she? writing a book. Uh, and uh, and um, she was talking to Andy Wigmore for this book uh, about the Leave.eu campaign, uh, which Aaron Banks obviously bankrolled. Um, and uh, the, the conversation. As it does, turn to well, if you go around Ken's house, Ken Livingston's house. Yeah, conversation turns to the old, the old Nazis, didn't it? And Andy, uh, Andy Wigmore said to Emma Bryan, Wait a minute. "Did this interview take place at Ken Livingston's house?" I thought it probably. Yeah, he said the pro- the propaganda machine of the Nazis. When you take away the hideous horror and all that kind of stuff, yeah, it was very clever. The way they managed to do what they did, and looking at that now in hindsight, yes. having been <laughs> on the sharp end of this campaign, you think, "Crikey, this is not new." So the, he's so he's basically saying the stuff that we did is similar to what the Nazis did. I love the I love the image as well of like Banks and Farage and, and old Wiggy, yeah, maybe chatting about the Nazis, just yeah, as yeah, yeah. lots of people do, not in any particular, and then going, uh Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it? it is. He said it was just they were just using the tools they had at the time. Yeah, um, and I just like the the image of Andy Wigmore just tossing and turning one night, and then going into the office and saying to Aaron in the doing the Mitchell and Webb with Aaron Banks, Aaron, are we the baddies? <laughs> we're wearing these death's heads on our on our hats. Whose who skulls are these? Um, so yeah, so um, so Andy Wigmore, Tim Martin. Should we deal with Tim Martin for a minute? Tim Martin. So Tim Martin, he's the boss of uh, Weatherspoons. He's the patron saint of the morning drinker, isn't he? Yeah. Although um, I went into, I mean, I I'm not a big Weatherspoons drinker. I'm, I'm boycotting Weatherspoons. I must say, yeah. So when were you last in a spoons? Well, I had to go to uh, had to I had go to go to, to a leaving do. Right. Um, but I was there there very briefly. Um, but I've, apart from that, I've not been in one since the well, referendum. I was there very briefly as well, and there, there is a there is a spoons just on the river down here. There is in Norwich, and, and it was very sunny yesterday, so I went for a quick drink there. <sighs> Traitor. Yeah, yeah. But it was only five pound twenty for two drinks. It's ridic- It is ridiculously cheap. But then you know, lost leader putting other pubs out of business. Yeah, anyway, no, let's, let's not yeah. even. All right, let's not go there. Let's not even talk about that. So Tim Martin. 
Vote Leave donor. He gave a large sum of money to Vote Leave. A couple of £150,000 donations, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, he looks a bit like Blanker out of Street Fighter 2, I've noticed. He does, the and if he of, crouches down, he makes sort of electric come out of him. He does. It comes out of his body and paralyses his enemies. Yeah. Um, anyway. Out. Yeah, exactly. Uh He's, he's shut down all his, his company's social media accounts, hasn't he? I don't know what um, social media is, you'll have to explain. Well, that's right. He's, he's, um, he, he's shut down his, his company's Twitter and Facebook accounts. Yeah. Get one of your kids to explain it to yeah. you. Get them to print it out. Yes, print I will, out yeah. fa- Can you print it out on Facebook for me, Jemima? Yeah. Do, do Twitter as well. Yeah. Um, is it still printing? <laughs> Snap face too. Uh, I really liked his statement. He said, people spend too much time on social media and they struggle to control the compulsion. And I'm just wondering if new European readers can think and podcast listeners can think of anything else which leaves users struggling to control their compulsion. And it's available in Weatherspoons from 9am till midnight. Of course, if you mix that compulsion with your social media compulsion, then... Oh, not lols. You you end up in a a Gavin Barwell situation. (laughs) Completely (laughs) Barwelled. Totally and utterly Barwelled. After the Barwell. Oh, no, after um, Aubrey and Sheila Atwater I've never heard of these people before I read a really great article about them in the Financial Times they're standing for UKIP in the local elections in Swindon yeah. uh, they've got a combined age of 153 oh. God bless them um, and they're back they've come back to Britain they've spent a year in, in Malta yes. and they come back to Britain and they said they, one of the reasons they joined UKIP was that they were shocked by how many foreign accents they heard in Swindon, and they must have heard a few more in Malta, I would have thought, where, to yeah. be fair, they were immigrants, they, they, weren't they? They, they were, were the foreign they were, they were migrants, weren't yeah, they, in Malta? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Mrs Atwater, uh, she said, we don't know quite where our position is, the UKIP position. Right, good But start, we think yeah. we know what people want. Yes. Uh, and she said, she, her and her husband used to be Lib Dems, but right. now they get most of their news from uh, Russia Today, the satellite channel. Very reputable. Anyway, and I particularly liked her, her, her husband, Mr Atwater, Aubrey Atwater, which is a great name, isn't what it? Great Aubrey name. Atwater, AA. Oh. Um, and he's, he is appalled by the fact that the council wants to give £5 million towards a £22 million new building uh, in Swindon. One of the, the great things that... I was going to say a few great things, but I, I feel that's disrespectful to the people of Swindon... Um, one of the great things about Swindon is that they have got a really good collection of modern British art, twentieth century yeah. British art, <clears throat> and they've got loads of uh, they've got loads of really good stuff. Um, uh, they've got uh, Henry Moores, they've got Lowry, they've got Lucian Freud, and they want to build a, a museum. Sounds great. That befits this a proper yeah. art museum. Yeah, and he said, like "What right, the bloody it? hell does Swindon oh. need with an art gallery?" I can't imagine anyone going there. No. Um, so they're really good. Uh, what good else has Swindon got going for it? Uh, I don't know. Glen Hoddle. Glen Hoddle, Swindon Town, briefly in the Premier League, weren't they? That sort of wheels fell off that a bit, actually, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hindsight again. I can't say who told me this, but I um, think... Uh, Glenn oh, wait, Hoddle, tell, tell me, I'll bleep it out. Glen Hoddle had left, hadn't he? And John Gorman... Yes, John Gorman... With his great moustache, but not the Tiz was John Gorman, the other one, not the scaffold and Wait Tiz a minute, was wasn't John it Gorman. Dave Gorman? No. Oh, yeah. No, John Gorman. Is John Gorman But related? didn't Dave Gorman go and meet John Dave Gorman? Gorman, who was the manager? Did he? I don't know. Because uh, there was anyway. that great thing where he met other Dave Gormans, wasn't he? 
he said, um, so they went to Anfield and they were they had a t- disastrous, didn't they? Premier League season in the Premier League. Uh-huh. At the time, it was the lowest number of points, although Derby County, uh, with my old chum Robbie Savage, um, then subsequently were even worse. But he said that in one of the early games, they went to Anfield and they were lined up in the Anfield tunnel, ready to go down past the famous This yeah. Is Anfield sign. Yeah. And it's John Gorman, who was an excitable little Scottish chap, he said he burst out of the dressing room and he went, come on, lads, let's get tore into them. We're going to f***ing win this. And he said that as a man, they all just turned around to him and laughed. He said one lad was laughing so much at the idea of beating Liverpool that he actually fell over. <laughs> and then Liverpool came out and, of course, they got beat about 5-0. Anyway, so... So um, that's, that was a great one of the great things about Swindon. Anyway, so we should talk about Nigel Farage now. Because yes. a couple of, during a couple of weeks ago, when he was really concerned about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party... Yes, I do remember um, And he, he said, oh, if I'd found anyone in UKIP who'd been a member of an extreme group, we'd just expel them straight away. Yeah. The Labour Party's got a very major problem. A very major problem. Yeah. Can't have a very major I'll problem. I'll text Nigel as well. He said Corbyn was in real trouble about this. And then... Do you know how he took? He extended his war against extremists and anti-Semites. Um, he's he's been on Infowars, right? Which is the uh, which is the show run by Alex Jones. He's a lovely man, Alex Jones, isn't he? He claimed last year that American neo-Nazis uh, who were at the far right oh, rallies in Ch- in Charlottesville were actually. He said they were Jewish actors, uh, leftist Jews. Uh, who want to create clashes and they go dressed up as Nazis. And um, uh, he's uh, he's recently, uh, Alex Jones, he's, he's being called out by a guy who used to work for him, he, an Infowars video editor called Ron Jacobson. And he, John, Ron Jacobson said, said that Alex Jones would often call him the resident Jew, the Jewish individual, oh and God. Jacobson. Um but it seems that it's appearing on Infowars with Alex Jones is not a very major problem for Nigel Farage. Not a very major problem at all. Uh, While we're on a similar tip, let's step in, uh, let's catch up with Neil Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's nice, isn't he? Well, I like his wife. Uh, Well, we know, yeah. Um, (laughs) He's the leader of UKIP in Wales, you know, disgraced former Tory minister, wasn't he? We don't have to go through all that again. Um, The best thing to do last week would... The BBC should have when, when, when somebody said, "Shall we make a program in which we play the whole of Enoch Powell's villainous and racist uh, Rivers of Blood speech?" Somebody should have gone, "That's a fucking terrible idea. Why don't you Why don't you go and work for Channel Five or something like that?" But they didn't do it, and they and they played it, and it was you know, I mean, words fail me about the decision to to commission this. Anyway, he turned up on the on the radio the morning after. Uh, did Neil Hamilton, and he said uh, the idea that Enoch Powell was some kind of uniquely racist villain is nonsense. He said that Enoch Powell was. I think he seemed to say that Enoch Powell was a racist, but he said he wasn't. A ra- he was a racist, but he wasn't a racist in the crude sense of the word. Right, nice racist. Yeah, he cuddly racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. And then he said that Enoch Powell had been proved right by events. Um, and Enoch Powell basically said that there would be a racial war yeah. started by immigrants yeah. by now yeah. who would have divided and conquered us and then they'd be picking us off yeah. man by man, yeah. which, you know, I'm looking outside in the middle of Norwich. It's not really happening. It's not happening. Um, 
Uh, anyway, he he also said he'd been he's been proved right by events because London in London all the white people have moved out to the suburbs, and all that's left in the middle are black people. And he said our great cities are being transformed into effectively racial ghettos. And he said that London is now like a donut. Mm. And I think if anything is a donut, or anything or anyone is a donut, it is Neil Hamilton. Absolutely. Um, but finally, and sadly... <sighs> well, I mean, he's been in there before. Yes. But he's made it to number one. He has made it to Something number one. Something wonderful band of Smiths never did. Uh, although, oh. although Mark oh. Ronson covering Stop Me If You Think You've Heard This One Before... Oh, God, really? ...did get to number one. They had, no, they had number one albums. Though, yeah, so yeah, they had they? number one albums, but they, they never had a number one single. The Smiths. So Morrissey, obviously, we're, we're, we're discussing. Mm. Uh, in the, uh, to paraphrase Morrissey, to, to, you know, to alter his words slightly, there is some shite that should never go out. And, <laughs> and one of these pieces of shite was this interview that Morrissey has done yeah. um, on, his, on his own website. And yeah. I don't know the bloke who interviewed him, I'm sure he's a real person, but it doesn't half sound like Morrissey was being interviewed by Morrissey, yes. who had bought a hat, written press on the yeah. back of a business yeah. card, stuck yeah. it in the, the sort of the hat band, and then he took it on and off every time he asked I, a question. I'm pretty sure that the the, the state of um, Morrissey's mind at the moment would it would lead me to believe that that is absolutely true. Uh, There's yeah. no coming back for Morrissey now. Not really. No, he's gone at all levels, he's, hasn't he's he? Completely. The, the the questions were brilliant, weren't they? <laughs> they, on. One of them was Jackie is only happy when she's up on the stage, which is an appalling song from his dismal new album. Uh, the, the question was Jackie's only happy when he's up when she's up on the stage is one of your best is is one of your two best ever songs, and it's better than anything David Bowie ever wrote. Do you agree? <laughs> to which Morrissey, I think, said yes. yes I do. I so, um, yeah. um, but he gave this rambling interview. And he obviously touched on Brexit. He, he was bemoaning the fact that Henry Bolton had ruined UKIP. Yeah. Um, he said, but he, he said Brexit did not happen. The people have said leave, but the EU said no. England is today a country that is not leaving the EU. Hungary, Italy, Finland and Poland will leave the, the EU before the UK is allowed to. Mm. I mean, what? I've, no, I ju- I've just got no idea. I have no words. There are no words, are there? And this is a gentleman who helped me so much through my teenage years, through his lyrical prowess and uh, the jangly guitars of Johnny Marr, of course. Yeah, he didn't play that. He had nothing to do with mm-hmm. those. He plays the piano on. Um, on. Uh... You should hear me play piano or whatever. It's, oh, piano! It yeah. yeah, that's a great lyric. No, he plays piano on "I Won't Share You." I think. Um, but he's no musician, no. But but as a as a as a as a thing as well, just as a, a cultural as a icon, shoegazing. No, not shoegazing. Naval gazing. Yeah, yeah. That was me as a teenager. So oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So and lots of other teenagers as well. But now he appeared. Well, he appealed to. I could. You know, the the isolated teenager, isolated and slightly pretentious teenager, of which I was one. Yeah, um, me too, absolutely. He, he, he spoke to us, didn't he? And but I'd, we have moved on, well, even I you. Well, I have had to now, but... I, but Morrissey has not moved on. No, he has, he's moved on yeah. to a very dark place. He has, well, he wouldn't like that, would he? He wouldn't like a dark place, he'd like a, <laughs> he'd like a place where everybody looked like Stanley Holloway. But you see, I've got issues now, because... All of the white people on the sleeves of his... 
record. As it was pointed out to me by a friend of mine recently, I don't have m- many home furnishings. <laughs> right, okay. So, so, but I do have lots of Smiths albums. Yeah, good. Which I display around my, That's good, my yeah. home because they're nice, lovely pieces of art. Do you? Yeah. Do people sit on them or? No, no, no. They're have not, you got I chairs? haven't made them into chairs and right, stuff. Right. Okay. Cushions. Or a lot of like, a poof. <laughs> I could like cuddle a up. Poof! To, you made a poof out of hat full of hollow. Delaney or something. No, no. This is they're they're the actual twelve-inch vinyl albums on display as a kind of Smiths museum. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. A Smiths um, museum. Yeah. A museum of the Smiths. That's it. But now do I have to take them down? I mean, yeah, answer me that do, question. Yeah, yeah. Do. Take them down and break them. Smash them all. Listen, I ain't doing that. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this, but John Rain, who I'm a big fan of, who does the uh, the superb James Bond podcast, Smirsh Pod, and who I keep meaning to get on this uh, on this podcast. You, know, you won't have seen this because it's on Twitter, but maybe oh. one of your kids... Well, well it'll be printed out. It'll be, it? it'll be on the printouts for yeah. you. Okay, but cool. he said that, um, he said that um, a few years ago, Morrissey sacked a member of his band... Uh, Morrissey had a terrible record called Dagenham Dave. Do you remember this? Well, I quite like. Can you sing? Dave. Can you sing? Dagenham Dave, Dagenham Dave. He said. He said um, Morrissey sacked this bloke who was John Rain's mate, yeah. who was in his band because he heard him singing Dagenham Dave to the tune of Blankety Blank. <laughs> Dagenham, Dagenham Dave. Dave. Dagenham Dave, and it does sound. It does very much does. like. Dagenham Day, Dagenham Day, Boy Racer, and all them—they were good. They weren't any good, were yeah. they? Roy's Keen was the worst one. Roy's Keen, great song. Roy's Keen. Have it's you ever been seen a keener window cleaner? A window cleaner. It's a great song. What it's about a... the What about the bullfighter? Oh gosh! Oh no! That, I'd, Golly yeah. gosh! Yeah. Mad in Madrid, I'd, ill in Seville, I'd Gargar it. in Malaga. I'd, la- I'd left it's it by then. Awful. I'd left it by then. Anyway, the other good bit of this. Was Morris's thoughts about um, milk and and eggs? Did you see this? Yes, I did see this. Yeah. He basically said <laughs> that you can't get milk and eggs in supermarkets anymore because no, that's people, absolutely true. because I don't know why. Not because of Brexit, probably or migrants. Brexit, Brexit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, and he sounded like he, he, he said. Um, he said you can't. You just can't find them. No. Eggs and milk. People. The people have turned against them. Um, and then he had a go at Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, for having a, a London accent. Yeah. And he said, civilization is over, he can't talk properly. Um, and then, talking like... He was in a... It was just talking like a, a parody of an old racist in a Stuart Lee routine. He said, as far as racism goes, the modern loony left seems to forget that Hitler was left-wing. And it's just remarkable, isn't it? That somebody who appeared to be as bright and funny as Morrissey and genuinely, you know, I mean, when he came out, he was remarkable. Yeah, Vicar and, and two, two. Some girls are bigger than others. Oh, dear. You're naming... These are not my favourite Smith songs at all. But, but certainly, you know, it's, he, he remains a unique yeah. person, doesn't he? You know, Um uh, and and he said, as far as the racism goes, the loony left forget that Hitler was left wing. I just, I mean, and uh, you know, like, because the name socialist is in the I can't the national socialist. And, uh, well, I mean, look, it's just a remarkable thing, isn't it? That is peddled by dullards on Twitter. Is every he ill? I mean, do we need th- to have an intervention? Is he still ill? 
Still ill. What a song that's that a good, is. Yeah, that's a good song. Uh, Under the Iron Bridge we kissed. I think it went something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a tune in there somewhere, wasn't there? This but thing anyway. about the city thing really upset me. He cannot talk properly. Civilization is over. Yeah, he can't talk properly because he drops some of his G's. Because he's pretty from sh- in London, he's the mayor of London, you f nut. And Morris's family are all Irish, I imagine they had Irish accents. Well, yeah, exactly. Just beyond bonkers, it really uh, is. So it really it's, is. it's so it's really sad, isn't it? And and I and I keep thinking about this when let's talk about just the ones from Manchester. Mm. Marky e. Smith, yeah, huge hero of mine, yeah, but a Brexiteer and yeah. you know like to talk about Immigration, didn't he? And uh, you perhaps know. we shouldn't talk ill of the dead. Uh, no, um, uh, but was but said that Brexit was a marvelous thing. Yeah, uh, and Noel Gallagher has said that who I don't really like his music, but I quite like his interviews. Has said that um, Brexit is a marvelous thing <clears> as well. And Morrissey <throat> believes that Brexit's a marvelous thing. And and why? I, I don't really understand that. Marky e. Smith, I can sort of see because he surrounded himself in his sort of press witch drinking. Place. He, I, I imagine that he was probably sat with people most of the day who went, who did vote leave, and, and and did vote leave for, you know, reasons that they wanted to give get one over on London yeah, and yeah. you know give London a black eye and all of this and so so I think that musicians vote like Brexit. Some of these musicians because they are sort of contrary and they want to you know. Yeah. Um, I also think that in Morris's case, you know, maybe it's. Maybe he does find it a little bit alarming when he goes back to the streets of Wally Range and Chalton and these places. Are very, I mean, Wally Range. One of my mates lives in Wally Range. Yeah. Now it's vastly better, more gentrified, yeah. much nicer than it was when Morrissey yeah. lived there. But maybe it is quite disturbing to him. My mate's got a mosque at the end of his his road. Maybe it's quite disturbing that you know he doesn't just see people who are dressed like um, you know Sheila Delaney and, yeah. and, and all of these people, and there's not you know there's people of different colours, and he can hear different accents. Uh, maybe that is quite distressing to him. I also think that you know for people like Noel Gallagher, they they kind of you know they 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 kind of well there's affirmation, isn't there? Who in Noel Gallagher's social circle is going to say to him, actually, you're talking. Well, that's a very good point, yeah. You're talking mate. And also... Liam, maybe. Well, exactly, yeah. Come on, Liam. Lay the nut on Noel. Yeah. Uh, and um, and so, so no one's going to tell him to shut up. Yeah. And the rebellion thing. And, oh, it's all changed from when I was a lad. That sort of Brexity thing that, you know, older people um, have. And I'm a bit scared by how it's changing. I don't really understand it. And can't why can't it all be like it was when I was a little kid? That yeah. that lust to go back to your childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the rose-tinted spectacles of childhood. Um, and also the fact that they're rock stars and they go, yeah, I'm sticking it to the man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I've got controversial but views. Let's be, let's be honest. Morrissey is a great controversialist, isn't he? You know? He is. Um, uh, but he, he, he used to do it in a way that it would make a talking point out of something. I mean, he's flirted with right-wing imagery and stuff in his lyrics. I mean, you know, National yeah. Front Disco. But that was all done in in sort of as a character study. Yeah. And then <clears throat> there was um, there was the song about uh, We'll Let You Know, which was about football hooliganism. Oh, it's right. a very good song. But at the end, it says, We are the last truly British people you will ever know. 
But he's talking. Really? He's, yeah, but he's. Ooh. But the, if you listen to the song, and lots of people have done that. If you read the lyrics, you think. Ugh. But then actually, the way that it's performed, and it is a very good song. You'll hate him. It's a very good song, mm. whereby he's talking about people from abroad, abroad looking at what British people are. You know, this is going back some years. Imagine football hooligans shouting and screaming at each other and fighting in lumps. Yes. So it's it's a kind of social commentary, and he's singing it on. But now you think, well, what you know, when he was singing. Bengali and platforms was it really in a well-meaning tone towards um, all the clues were there they kind of were weren't the National they? Front Disco they kind of I'm were. looking forward to his new one London is a Donut which he's going to record with Neil and Christine <laughs> Hamilton oh wow I'd love that London is a Donut well have you ever seen Bernard Manning performs the songs of the Smiths yeah it was better than the Smiths well it, uh, his know. version of Girlfriend in a Coma which is a terrible song it, it is, is, is much better song, yeah 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 it is a bad well we don't need Bernard Girlfriend Manning Girlfriend in a Coma he wouldn't sing that would he <laughs> don't need he doesn't to do like girlfriends or comas Stephen Patrick Morrissey, you have broken my heart. Thank you. Goodbye. That was the New European Podcast. But before it was we good, go, I thought. Yeah. You did, I'm not normally interrupted when I, I thought, give my little private. I thought I were great. Normally I give a little private, just me and the listener at the end. Do you? But you've hung around. So yeah. tell us what that listener should do right now. Could you please give us a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice? Uh, and you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. And you can follow me, believe it or not, and I shall have someone print out your uh, your yeah. tweets to me, at Porrit, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. We are now available on Spotify. Woo! The newspaper's out now. It's crammed full of great stuff. There is politics. A little bit of politics. There is Brexit. There's a little bit of Brexit. But there's also tons and tons of culture, art, sport, yeah. cooking, apron wearing. Yeah. Maybe next week. If you enjoyed some of the jokes in the Brex Factor, you can read them again in printed form. <laughs> you can. Uh, I think they're funnier in printed form. We got, I, I um, hope they are. We got, yeah, me too. We got, uh, who have we got? We got Andrew Adonis, very good piece about Syria. We got a great piece by Jane Merrick about the problems facing Theresa May. That's very good. And we've got loads of other stuff. Loads of other stuff. And we've got a piece by Alistair Campbell. And here he is with his bagpipes. (laughs) 